Good morning. You guys almost got a taste of my singing. I thought my mic was off and I thought I could just sing a little bit and then I'll say, whoop, no, I'm on. And I just plant that down real quick. <laughs> but <laughs> it's good to see you all here. We have a few announcements. Um, the choir rehearses after service in preparation for Easter. So we're excited about that. If you're part of the choir or if you want to join the choir, see Jason right over there and um, stay after. If you're not part of the choir, if you could please exit quickly and then have donuts out there in the foyer and stuff, that would be great. But that would allow them to get to their practice. Okay, and then um, we're still looking for more workers for our children's ministry for Easter. I think a lot of people are excited about being in the choir, (laughs) which is great, but we need some people to serve in our children's ministry. So um, if you're available, please let Cheryl know. This week we have a few amazing events happening. Our women's ministry, Caring Connections, they meet the third Thursday of every month. But this month they have a special speaker, Janice, is it, I, I want to say Regal, but it's probably not that. Regal. It is Regal, okay, yeah. And she um, is a speaker and a podcaster and an author and a comedian, and some of our women went to see her not too long ago, and they're like, oh, she's good, we got to get her here. So she's going to be here this Thursday, we hope you come, we hope you invite your friends and we can pack this place out, all right? And we eat, too. That's, I think, tacos, right? Yeah, tacos. That's great. Okay, Friday and Saturday, there was going to be a breakthrough service at the Bohm Theater. This is um, a bunch of churches in the Albion and even Calhoun County coming together. And as pastors, we've been praying and fasting for this event. And um, it's going to be led by Prophet Russell Blackman, who is from Albion, many of you, I don't know, some of you know him. Yeah, absolutely, some of you know him. And he lives down south now and has an international ministry of prayer and healing and, um, and prophecy. And we're just going to come together and worship the Lord and pray for people to have breakthroughs in their lives, whether that be a physical breakthrough or a breakthrough with the Lord or some other kind of breakthrough, a breakthrough freedom from addiction, and also just break through for our community, all right? So that is at the Boehm this weekend. I hope to see you there. All righty. Will you please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. We're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week. As you're finding that, I'll give you a little background information. Um, we we're doing a series on Matthew and every month we've been adopting a new prayer that is found in the book of Matthew. And so our prayer for this month is Lord, please send workers into your harvest. Lord, please send workers into your harvest. And I asked you to like make a note of that and, and just pray that one sentence every day. And hopefully we are all doing that. Um, but it comes from Matthew chapter nine where Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. That's something Jesus instructs us to pray for. So that's what we're praying for leading up to Easter. I think that's pretty appropriate timing. 
Um, God's harvest. It, it's a metaphor, right, for people who are ready to accept his invitation to become part of the family of God, to become reconciled with God, and to live eternally in God's kingdom. And when we talk about God's kingdom, it's, um, a, it's just a dwelling place. God is creating a new dwelling place for us, a new heaven and a new earth. Sometimes we only say heaven and we just think it's you know clouds, like we're going to live on clouds or something. But it's actually a whole new heaven and a whole new earth. And, and we get to live there with God. There will be no more suffering, no more death, no more pain. And we get to rule with him which was part of his original plan. He had planned for us to rule this world, but we, we took it and kind of broke it, right? And that God's kingdom is actually a second chance at this. Really, it is. It's a second chance to live in paradise and rule with God. So that's his harvest, and he says it's plentiful, that this is good news people want to hear, but the workers are few. The people extending that invitation are few. And so we're praying for God to send more workers out into this harvest. Uh, last week we studied chapter 19. And it describes those who accept the invitation of those who enter into the kingdom of heaven. And it's not those with the most impressive list of good deeds. That's not who it is. It's those who simply believe and follow Jesus. That's who it is. And now Jesus continues the same teaching, and he talks about the reward for those who do go out into his harvest, for the workers who do go out. What is their reward? So we're going to start in verse 27. If I could find it on my page. Oh, I got the wrong marker. There we go. All right. Chapter 19, verse 27. Peter answered Jesus. He says, we have left everything to follow you. What, what then will there be for us? This is what he's asking. What? We've, left, we've given it all up, Jesus. What, what do we get? Is, you know, does it get better than this? And Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And so we see that for those who sacrifice to follow Jesus, he says, you will receive us a hundred times as much. If you leave behind material things, you don't get that dream house, right? You know? He promises material reward in heaven. A lot of times we don't think about that, but he does. If we leave behind family, now most of us will never have to do that. But some do. Some people have to leave behind family. Maybe they grew up in a a Christian family and they're called to be missionaries. And I'll tell you, as a pastor's kid, um, we moved a lot. 
And we were never quite as close to family as we would have liked to be. But everywhere God took us, he gave us new family. He did. He fulfilled that promise. For Christians living in areas where there's not religious freedom, choosing to follow Christ means rejection by their family. It means rejection from their community. And they lose their families. Some become homeless. And Jesus says, you'll gain even more family. Some of us, that's not a reality, but we come from families that just, um, you know, don't know how to love very well. And that's one of the great promises that Jesus has, that if we follow him, we will gain family. Family that loves and that a family that will live eternally together. You see, his promises that he's making are not just for this world. His best promises are actually for the next world. That's where the best of his promises and blessings come. He also says that he rewards um, his followers with meaningful leadership positions. You know, we don't just sit on clouds and play harps or something like that. There's jobs in the new kingdom. And there's meaningful work and meaningful positions, and he rewards them. The 12 disciples were going to be rewarded with um, ruling over the 12 tribes of Israel. But then he says, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. What does he mean by that? I've heard it explained, um, you know, that talks about those who make themselves last in this world, who humble themselves, are going to be lifted up and exalted in the next life. And that's true. And Jesus gets to that in a moment. But he actually gives it another definition also. Did you know that? If you look in your Bible, okay, like we're right here at the end of 19. 20, this is why paper Bibles are helpful, by the way. Chapter 20 starts a parable, and he tells a story. And he ends the parable in verse 16. He says, so the last will be first, and the first will be last. So if he starts the story saying the last will be first, and the first will be last, and he ends the story saying the same thing, what does that mean the story's about? It it means it's about who's going to be last and who's going to be first, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's read the story. Because I think this is going to be something a little different than what you thought it was going to be. All right. Chapter 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarii for for the day and sent them to go work in the vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. And so they went. And he went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. And it continues. He does it like around like six or five and nine and eleven. And every time he finds these people and they're just standing around, he goes, well, hey, go work in my vineyard and I'll pay you what's right. And they say, okay. And, And they do. And then we get to verse 9, or verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones who were hired in the eleventh hour, 
and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and received a denarii. And when they, those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more. Like, you would think this, right? Like, if you had been working 12 hours, you thought you would think you'd get paid more than the person who had been working, like, one hour, right? Yeah. So when those who, who were hired first, so, I'm sorry, when those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received an anari. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarii? Take your pay and go. I want, if I want to give the one who was hired the last the same as I gave to you, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Those who go out to the field earlier, they don't necessarily get better pay in the kingdom of God. This saying of Jesus has to do with chronology. Straight up just chronology. Who comes into the kingdom first? His disciples. Let's go back a little bit further. He told his disciples they would rule over the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Well, all the Jews probably thought that the patriarchs would rule over the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Like Judah would rule over his descendants, the tribe of Judah. And Levi would rule over the tribe of Levi that came from him, right? Mm -mm. It's the disciples. They come way later. And the same principle actually applies to us. We come way later. But we have equal opportunity in the kingdom of God. That's what this parable is about. It doesn't matter when you come to know Jesus, where you fall on the timeline. It doesn't even matter how much time you spend serving him. What matters is what you do with the time you have. That's what he recognizes. He probably saw the ones who came last. Do you think they uh, worked harder than the ones who knew what they were going to get paid all day? I mean, think about this. If you have all day to work, you know your, your pay is going to be before you even start. How hard do you work? Right? But if you come and you're like, oh, I haven't worked all day. I've got to feed my family. I've got an hour to get this done. Let's see what I can earn. Right? Yeah. It doesn't matter when you come to know Jesus or even how long you serve. What matters is what you do with the time you have. And that's what God rewards. It's equal opportunity in the kingdom of God. Now, as I was preparing this message, I, I had this moment where I thought, do I even preach this? Because I don't know anybody ca- that anybody really cares. 
Like, seriously, how many of you woke up this morning thinking, huh, I wonder how much I can earn for the kingdom of heaven today? You know, like, we don't think this way. I know, um, like, in our prayer bowls, many of you write prayers, and I, and I read and I pray the unfolded ones. The folded ones are kept private, but I'll read the ones you leave unfolded. And I know what you guys request prayer for, and it's the same kind of things that I request prayer for. Things like, you know, I'm struggling with anger or depression, or my kid's health, or i got to pay rent, or, you know, prayers for my marriage, or my parent. You know, those, those are the kinds of things we think about. And I, I just... I just thought, I'm like, so I'm going to get up there and preach. Hey, guys, guess what? You have equal opportunity in the kingdom of God to earn. Does anyone even care? But maybe that's part of the problem, huh? I think it was a problem with Jesus' first disciples, too. They agreed to follow Jesus because he thought he was going to set up his kingdom on this world. And um, over and over again, they were asking him questions about his kingdom and how it was going to work and everything. And they kept thinking it was going to happen here. And over and over again, Jesus keeps pointing to the next kingdom and the next life. And saying, guys, that's what it's really all about. He says this from the very beginning of his ministry. I want to um, just look back at the Sermon on the Mount with you real quick. Matthew chapter 6. It's going to be on the screen. Jesus starts his ministry with this message. He says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For pagans run after those things. That's what they live for. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He's not oblivious to this. He knows that we have basic needs. He knows. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus repeatedly, throughout his ministry, was telling people, guys, you've got to stop worrying about that stuff. You just... I know it's real. I know those things matter. Your heavenly father knows, but he's got it covered. He's got it covered. That's not what you're supposed to focus on. You focus on the next life. You focus on the kingdom of God. Pursue that. That's what Jesus keeps trying to tell us. And this message is astonishingly good news to those who are oppressed. To people who live in war-torn nations. To people who know that this world has nothing good for them. Jesus' message is very good news. This world, thank God, is not all there is. There is another life coming. But for people who are rich and used to instant gratification... Jesus' message is like, really? 
my basic needs. You, you, you're going to give me my daily bread. Oh, well, I guess that's better than nothing, you know. Like, How long do I have to wait for this eternal paradise? Right? You see, Jesus' message of salvation is only good news if you actually want to be saved. It's, it's just okay news if what you really want is this life to be made more comfortable. If you're under the impression with just a few tweaks, with a few God-ordained tweaks, this life can be your paradise. The Bible is very clear that God, when he made this world, he made it perfectly good. And he gave it to us to rule as a gift, and we broke it. We just broke it. And we can see that. You know, we sang this morning, I see the evidence of your goodness, right? We have the knowledge of goodness. We can see our lives, we can see the world, and we can see it is inherently good. But we also have the knowledge of evil now. That even though we see the goodness, we also see the brokenness and that things are not as they should be. And God has not abandoned us and he works with us to help us persevere this life. But his ultimate goal for us, guys, is it's not... To make our lives here a paradise. That's not what he promises. I know that's what some prosperity preachers promise. But that's not actually what the Bible promises. God's goal for us is to help us persevere and to walk with us. So we can get to the next life where that is paradise. And that's where the best of his blessings are. And so you have to decide, do you want to spend your time, do you want to focus your life trying to make this broken world your paradise, or do you want to focus this life preparing for the real paradise? That's what this parable and this teaching of Jesus is all about. But... One thing he was trying to get us to understand is like preparing for the real paradise. It requires a kind of dying to the things of this world. Let's keep reading what happens next. So he tells this parable, the last will be first, the first will be last. You have equal opportunity in the kingdom of God. Verse 17, now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the twelve aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. Jesus has been preparing the disciples for this for a while now. For several chapters, he's been telling them this is going to happen. And now he just like lays it out. There's no parable. Like, I am going to be crucified and I am going to raise again on the third day. They're still having trouble believing it. You know, sometimes God delivers us news and we're just like, "Hmm." we don't ask questions because we don't really want to know. Right? Right? 
So he talks about this, that the kingdom of God, it has to first come through a kind of death and resurrection. It has to come to him first dying to the things of the world and then being raised to new life. And he's paving that way for us to also die to the things of this world and be raised to new life. So what happens? Do they, do they understand? The next verse, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked to favor him. This would have been James and John's mother. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of my two sons may sit on your right and the other on your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking. Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? What is the cup? Suffering. He just told them. He just told them it's suffering. I'm going to die. And he keeps referring to this cup at the Last Supper, right? This cup is the new covenant of my blood. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays, Father, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. He's, he's told them the cup is suffering. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you indeed will drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. There, there we see it again. So Jesus had promised the disciples they would rule over the 12 tribes of Israel. They want more. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, those, those positions are for other people. For people probably who are going to come much later. In the 11th hour, maybe. Maybe it's one of you. It could be. When the ten other disciples heard this, they were indignant with the two brothers. And Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to become first, there it is again, must become your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. It's a reference to chronology. You have equal opportunity in the kingdom of God. It's also a reference to the position of our hearts and where we put ourselves. And if we're really willing to follow Jesus and kind of do what he did, where he put himself last, so he could bring us into the kingdom of heaven. And I I can just kind of imagine Jesus' frustration with the disciples as they keep coming and asking him these questions like, Jesus, we have no bread. What are we going to eat? And, you know, like, where are we going to live? And, and can I have a better position than Peter? Because we really don't want Peter to rule everything. You know? <laughs> and Jesus is just like, oh, guys, it's not about that. It's not about that. I, I mean, I know. I know you have to eat. Your Heavenly Father, he knows you have to eat. He knows you need clothes. He knows you need a place to live. Don't worry about that. He's got that. 
But I didn't come from heaven to make you comfortable here in this broken world. I came from heaven to take you back there with me. That's what it's about. It's not about getting comfortable in the brokenness. It's about leaving all the brokenness behind. And I, I and Jesus is just saying, like, I came to die to get you there. And I need your help with this. Because God wants all people to be saved. And Jesus is like, I need your help with this. I came to die to get you there. Will you put yourself last so some other people can get there too? And as I was preparing this message over and over, I just thought, what, what do we focus our lives on? What are we focused on? I, you know, I'm ADHD sometimes when I prepare these messages, and I'll be writing, and then my brain will go, and I'll get on the Internet and just, you know. And the Internet knows I'm in my mid-40s now, so... <sighs> You know, like, everything is the latest, greatest anti-aging product. (laughs) And I'm, like, looking at the anti-aging products, and then I'm, like, looking back at this message in Jesus, and I'm, like, no, this is not what it's about, right? It's not about looking more youthful. It's not about, like, having the greatest homes or the best vacations and, you know, or even the dream job or even the you know, best romantic partner. It's really not about that. And I just, I just heard Jesus saying, guys, you just need to lift your eyes up. Just lift your eyes up. And start living for the next life. Put your hope in the next life. And take as many people with you so that your reward in heaven will be great. You pray with me. Lord, I pray you lift our eyes up. Because so easily we always look down at this world. And I'm glad you love us and I'm glad you love this world and you are with us. And you give us courage and peace in the midst of this world. And you teach us how to love one another and have self-control and all those things. But God, help us remember it is not fundamentally about this world. It's about the next life. And that whatever we go through, whatever we suffer through here is a blip. And the paradise we will live in in eternity. Help us find courage and comfort in that. 
And God, for those of us who this life is good, we thank you for that. But we pray you help us not try to focus on how to just keep making this life better. God, we pray that you lift our eyes up to where our hope truly is in you. And I pray that you help us follow you, God. Help us to die to the things of this world so that we may follow you into eternal blessings. Lord, we pray you send workers into your harvest. Send workers into your harvest, God. God, I pray you will open our eyes and we will be more concerned with who our neighbors will be in heaven than who our neighbors are now. Refocus us, Lord. And send us. Help us to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.